0: Hello and welcome to Smug and Play, the show dedicated to mid-late 90s Windows games, technology, and culture. Those of you who haven't tuned in before, the gimmick of the show is that we are playing through PC Gamers' lovely monthly uh, gaming discs. Uh, These are full of demos of PC games. so you can see, I have quite a few here, but we're not just playing through the good ones or the ones that I like, like this one. No, we decided that we would actually play through all of them, which I bought and store in this enormous box. Much to the consternation of my co-host, please introduce yourself.
1: I'm Alan. Nice to meet you. And I'm
0: Austin. So for those of you who've listened to our podcast and are saying, why can't I see any of the things that they're talking about? What is this new video format? Um, No, you're not blind. You're not Stevie Wonder. You shouldn't be singing Rainbow in the Sky, uh, Ribbon in the Sky, rather. Um, But rather, (laughs) we're moving our podcast into uh, video uh, format uh, for people who want to actually see the games that we're talking about, which is something that people have been requesting on Facebook since we started the show and which we've been ignoring for months and months. But now that it's 2020, it's a time for a new beginning. And so here we are. You can enjoy our our faces. I'm sure we're exactly as you imagined us. Um, And we're here to talk about... May of 1995, where we have finally arrived. And what's going on in this lovely month of May, Alan?
1: Well, there's a big show called the E3, hey. also, known, also known as the Electronic Entertainment Expo. Ah. Uh, it's the very first one. Uh, and the big event here uh, was the release of the Sega Saturn and the Sony PlayStation. Uh, Nintendo had actually kind of bowed out. They were supposed to release... Um, their Ultra 64 and Nintendo 64 that year, uh, but the the week before E3, they they announced that it wasn't going to happen that year, uh, and so oopsies, well oopsies. But everybody was else was excited because they were releasing stuff. Uh, even Atari was excited to be releasing the Jaguar CD. You know? Oh yes, like they, they had a shot.
0: Well, it has some incredible <laughs> exclusives such as Highlander. <laughs> And if you, <laughs> if you were interested in that, you can go watch other YouTube clips that show Highlander for the Atari Jaguar CD. It was one of very few titles actually released for it. I think most of the others were ports. I think they had a port of Myst, and yeah. uh, there was a few things that were released after its death, such as uh, a CD-exclusive sequel to Iron Soldier, which was kind of an interesting mecha game for Atari Jaguar, but... Yeah, you you said one of the funny things is that it seemed in the press, it sounded like people still thought that Atari had a chance in the uh, sort of mid-90s console race. Um,
1: They had the most bits. I think that's what they thought. Their
0: advertisement was very bit-oriented, yes. We have 64 of them under some circumstances on a single chip and not for general computational purposes. But (laughs) anyway, I mean, so there were kind of two headlining keynotes, right? at E395. The first was by Sega's uh, Sega of America's CEO, Tom Kalinske. Obviously, this whole thing gets you know beautifully dramatized in the book Console Wars, which I highly recommend to anyone who's interested in what was going on in consumer entertainment during this period. But Tom Kalinske basically comes up and he's like, does the sizzle reel of Saturn games, some stuff, you know, Saturn had come out earlier in Japan uh, and then as he's coming off the stage, he's like, oh yeah, and by the way, uh, Sega Saturn, right, um, yeah, uh, you can go buy one right now. You can just, we, we're selling them, uh, cost $399 at select retailers. And the this is an industry trade show, right? So there are retailers that are there saying, what? No one told us, nobody shipped us any Saturn console. So who are these select retailers? And everyone's going to go to their store for this hot new release and not ours and Sega basically pissed off their retail partners forever and never really recovered from this. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, Sony but, had a keynote right after. Well, well, well,
1: but let's, let's, let's just say, so Sega, you could see other problems sort of on the surface. Most notably, they had amazing first-party games. They yes. had Virtual Fighter, Virtual Racing, and Daytona. Um, Panzer Dragoon, I think, was pretty awesome. It's an on-rail shooter. Yes. Uh,
0: Wonderful well, original the Sega The third-party titles
1: they had to show were just kind of like old-school like 2D stuff. And it became apparent as time went on and the console came out that nobody really knew how to program for this Sega Saturn. <laughs> um, it is the they, most had... developer-unfriendly
0: architecture yeah. of this period, really. Possibly the Jaguar might be in there as well. I decided I want to do a whole video, side video, I don't want to talk about it here, about just how tortured the development process for the Sega Saturn was and the absolutely ridiculous albatross of a architecture that ultimately shipped. Um, but needless to say, they were already, they were not in a great position coming into the 32-bit console race.
1: Yeah. So then the next keynote was Sony, and they... Uh, took advantage of coming after Sega. We'll just keep on building to that. Anyway, they brought up this guy named Olaf Olafson, and introduced him. It was very slow, this keynote. They introduced him. as like, he's written three books. Uh, <laughs> like That's relevant and all. Right. But then, you know, he's like, you know, there's a lot of branding talk, but he's like, hey, we got a really good 3D. And they started showing all these, you know, third-party uh, pretty good 3D titles, Rich Razor, Tekken, uh, there was a Star Wars game. There was, like, baseball. Like, they obviously had a more well-rounded, uh, you know, set of, of publishers. And as things built, you know, it took a few years for any of these consoles to get, you know, a lot of market share. But they obviously took off and left Sega in the dust. Uh, and the, the way they sort of did it at this E3 was they brought on their CEO, uh, Steve Race, for a one sentence i guess <laughs>
0: one, one sentence talk
1: one sentence talk came up said 299 so he undercut saturn dropped the mics Drop the mic.
0: walked off so here you, you have a system that is i think much more focused the result of a much clearer vision on behalf of kim kudaragi and his development staff that ends up being much more flexible, ultimately, than Saturn's architecture, even though Saturn has all these additional bits and bobs that, you know, you should be able to make any sort of game with it. Ultimately, the PlayStation is a cleaner design, it's cheaper to produce, the licensing works out better, and, and for developers, there are really solid development tools in place already, and ultimately, the sony playstation is a silicon graphics workstation that's been scaled way down to a little box that you can put in your living room and so it uses industry standard things like triangles beautiful triangles instead of texture map quads that the saturn uses and so it's much it's much more sort of heading toward the the future and the standards of how people design 3d entertainment both for the big screen and for interactive experiences and I mean, that. Right. I think that's all that needs to be said right now. There, right, right, what, right. What, what's going to happen next month is we're going to see what impact this has on the PC gaming space, which is that our friend, NVIDIA, is finally going to fly out of stealth and announce a big partnership. And this is going to almost destroy the company, bring them within three months of, of destruction. Uh, And yet, somehow, NVIDIA will rise from the ashes and become the juggernaut of uh, 3D GPUs that they are today, which is a wonderful story, and we'll get to tell that story because we're going month by month, and so it's only just a month away.
1: Um, So stay tuned. So stay tuned for that. Ring that bell. (laughs) That's
0: right. Get hype. Um, Mm -hmm. So PC Magazine, I believe on May 16th of this month, uh, had as their cover story, getting ready for Windows 95, which is a way of saying... Microsoft has delayed Windows ninety five. <laughs> it's not it's not out yet, so you still have plenty of time to get ready for it. Um, and that you know, it's a, a big overview article. Shows some of the UI elements that are and that are new things. You know, you have contextual menus, and you have the task bar, and you have the start file names. You have long file name support. Finally, all these things. And then there's this tiny, teeny weeny little inset uh, in one of the articles uh, that talks about. Windows ninety five and multimedia. Of course, as gamers, we're interested to find out what does Windows ninety five mean for me. Am I going to finally get away from having to create boot disks for all my games so that I have the proper memory setup? Can I just double click it and launch it in Windows and have it work just as you know quickly as it would in DOS, but without all that overhead and confusion? And the answer is er, not really quite exactly.
1: I mean, eventually. I mean, Windows ninety five. In 98, eventually solved all these problems, but it had a well, long adolescence. Right. So this is probably pre- pre-adolescence yeah. right now.
0: So yeah. in this article uh, about Windows 95 and multimedia, they they comment on the fact that uh, in, in Windows 3.1, there's very little fast action games for Windows 3.1 because in order to... Windows 3.1's drawing API was called GDI, the Graphics Display Interface. And it was... it. Is very standardized, you know, every card can be accessed using GDI, but it's very slow. It is not suitable for fast action games, so of course no developers really used it. Um, There were some games, you know, strategy games, turn-based games for Windows 3.1, and obviously some multimedia sort of edutainment
1: sort of stuff, but... I mean, another, Minesweeper was the best yeah, game but for Windows
0: 3.1. If you were playing a high spec game in 1995, it was going to be in DOS, like Descent, Dark Forces, right? That's that's what you're seeing. Even you know Warcraft. Um, Windows 95, they promised a new library called WinG. Now, WinG will allow you to bypass the whole GDI stack and uh, have a sort of accelerated frame buffer access that could be even faster than your frame buffer access in DOS depending on how it's supported by the graphics card and by its driver. So that could be good, at least for just software-rendered games. Um, now, looking at 3D, PC Magazine calls out that it doesn't look like OpenGL is going to ship in Windows 95. as John, it did. John Carmack
1: is trying somewhere. John
0: Carmack, yeah. is, John Carmack is about to get very pissed off, but he actually doesn't get pissed off until around 1996. Um, and we have to talk about that next year, but um, so OpenGL shipped as part of the system in Windows NT 3.5, but we're not gonna, looks like we're not getting that. Instead, there's this other company, um, and I want to get the name correct, but uh, Microsoft has just bought uh, a company called Render Morphix, and Render Morphix. Uh, has its own API for 3D uh, called, uh, I don't know what's called, Reality Lab. And Reality Lab is what ultimately becomes the first Direct 3D. Um, but it is nothing like the Direct 3D that you know from the Windows 98 era or Direct 3D today. Um, it, it's not like that at all. And not only is it not like that at all, but it doesn't ship until 1996, so it doesn't even arrive in Windows 95. So it's looking like Windows 95 is not going to mean a whole lot for gamers, which is a yeah. disappointment. Yeah. Um,
1: they're lost at sea for a little while.
0: They're lost at sea for a little while. Um, we'll see. We'll see some hints of gaming when we go into uh, the Windows 95 launch uh, and Bill Gates's uh, scary like um, flasher coat. Um, and that'll be really fun to talk about. But uh, do we, do we want to say anything else about this lovely month of May, or shall we move on <laughs> to, to the, the to the gimmick, gimmick of, of this show, show yeah. <laughs> which is this month's demos on the PC Gamer
1: disc? Yeah, I want to play BioForge. You want to play
0: BioForge? It. It's made by Origin. They made Wing Commander. I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. Should we play yeah. it? Okay. Yay! <laughs> Let's switch. So, this month's CD is basically a cavalcade of mediocrity. Even the, I'm not in the, very much sold, even on the the high, you know, headliner titles here are not things that really get my blood boiling. I mean, they do get my blood boiling, but like not in a good way, you know, blood boiling in a very negative way. Um, and so, uh, the first up is EA slash Origins Bioforge. Which being an origin game is has very high production values, uh, including this beautiful animated intro cuts. scene, uh, that we'll see here. And so, there was recently a, a Facebook question that was on the MS DOS Gaming Group, which was, What is the equivalent of Crisis for the for MS DOS gaming? Right, the game that was really difficult to run on, on computers of that period, and somebody called out. BioForge is being one of the uh, one of the most difficult games to run at the time because uh, it uses perspective correct texture mapped graphics um, and full screen and it's all done using software rendering and so it the I believe the box said you need to have a 33 megahertz 486 or better but apparently it ran like garbage on that Um, this was a game that needed the fastest Pentium of the era which is still only a one hundred and twenty. One hundred and thirty-three <laughs> yeah. hasn't even come out yet. So uh, we have the advantage of DOSBox here. Um, do you? Do you not think story? it's
1: comparable though? Because yeah. at least when Crisis came out, you could buy a video card that could play it. I mean, it would cost you know your whole paycheck or whatever. <laughs> but
0: you could I, at this
1: time. I don't think a one hundred and twenty can even play this really adequately. Um, like, you're just kind of. Barely skating by. Well, I think
0: part of the problem is that even on a, a high spec machine. I mean, I played this. So I played this on real hardware as well. I played it on a, on a machine in 233 megahertz uh, on a Pentium MMX, and it was it was decent. But the game is not incredibly responsive even on faster hardware. Like it's there, the nature of this game that it is a little bit plotting um, and and awkward. Do you know the story?
1: not as well as you
0: <laughs> so apparently in the future uh there is a group that controls the universe called the reticulum and i misread that as the rectum five times in the wikipedia article before i realized it was reticulum and they are opposed by a religious fanatical group called the mondites where i imagine are followers of walter mondale or something like that and they apparently make horrible human cyborg abominations uh, either for fun, profit or potentially uh, in, in order to fight the forces of the reticulum but I haven't really gotten that far in the game uh, at this point all I know is that right in the, right in here this this creepy guy with a very long nose um, who uses his woodworking equipment on you <laughs> <laughs> um, he's about to do that now um, Let me
1: put you through the table saw. All right, cool. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: It's one of those wake up on a table games. Um, not my favorite wake up on a table game. I think it will be Planescape. Um, so what, do you want to narrate this for us here? Do a little play by play?
1: All right. All right. We got a drink right in, right in There we the go. Chest.
0: And yeah, some uh, strawberry jam there. Oh, yeah.
1: Nice. Yes. Okay. And he's oh, checking and then, to make and it sure. Looks yep. Longingly at you.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. That went right in your chest. Yep. Okay. All right. And a little bit of a 3D title screen here. And so, why don't you tell us about the wonderful control scheme that uh, Origin devised for this?
1: Well, we're you're about While to come up upon it. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you got You got to click. I, also easy, I think. Is also, the way can I get down. this
0: mouse cursor pack for Linux? <laughs>
1: Where it's a it's a gigantic arm
0: with three nubbly fingers that uh, takes up the thirty percent of my screen. We'll do. We'll do, do. I think it's great. It
1: is so. Uh, the control scheme here is you get to rotate and then you can move forward. Uh, you have to. There's a lot of fighting hand to hand in this in this game, and you have to press C, and then you have to press basically every other key on the keyboard to do weird things like. There's the numpad, like up is some sort of punch, and <laughs> some other yeah. direction will be a kick. It's 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 a bit bizarre.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So I mean, it's a good left hand right hand sort of setup, and that you normally do movement using the numpad. But when you're in combat mode, if you uh, hit a direction while holding control, I believe it does a punch. And if you hit a direction while holding alt, it does a kick. And it's a high or a low kick depending on uh, which one. So I'm going to enter. Combat mode, as you can see, I take a combat-ready stance. And now I'm going to miss terribly, even though it really looks... Right. Well, I guess I, I need to slowly... So if you just walk right into that blue uh, energy field there, um, it's it's not good. Um, yes, but, but you're trying
1: to I'm, I'm, Apparently, I'm good. too distant.
0: Yeah, I but think you I need can't to
1: let it move a bit. Let him move? So that you can... Suit. Oh, oh well, what did what I happened said, there? Oh, what I, happened? I don't know. Apparently,
0: I, I hit him so hard he bounced off of the fourth wall. <laughs> the fourth wall didn't break. There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> we can continue on our merry way. Now, the control scheme is terrible. I'll disable combat mode now. But for whatever reason. On this disc, and games of this period seem to be into this modal sort of combat versus exploration thing, where you tap a button to move between sort of an aggressive or combat mode and like an exploratory mode, um, rather than just have these things sort of happen seamlessly, which is interesting. I don't know why there was interest in that, but Relentless Twin Sons Adventure is like the same way. Um, something that is very progressive about this game is the. Uh, very immersive presentation we don't have as in system shock you know a health bar and all this ui cluttering up in menus you know if he if i see something ground i pick it up and then the character will speak it and if i hit space bar then he'll bring it up to his face and i can read
1: it yeah there's a lot of reading in this game yeah it's pretty beautiful for 95 it actually reminds me a little bit of like uh final fantasy 7 like Kind of the, no, this is, the rendering yeah, and then Final the, the, the hand drawn backgrounds. Yeah, so
0: so this <laughs> the dramatic static camera angles, that's another big thing for this year. We're gonna see a lot of that. Pre render backgrounds, um, sort of cinematic presentation. But this is higher spec than Final Fantasy Seven, which is Final Fantasy Seven's not even come out in the US till like nineteen ninety seven, right? And mm. it was all gross shaded, right? It's all flat shaded polys. We got we got perspective correct textures on this bad boy. So yeah. Anyway, at this point, um, I think someone has someone has dropped their ear, or maybe it's my ear. That would make sense given it's my room. And now I can, I can pick it up. I think I I don't know. It's like under me. I don't know. If I pick up the right thing, and then I can, I can eat it like a chicken wing, which is yeah, odd. Yeah, delicious. So I, I think it's trying to tell me that this game is into auto cannibalism.
1: Yeah.
0: So, last time I played this, I was unsuccessful in recreating the sort of trademark uh, scene from this game, which is to try to use people's several limbs as weapons. Um, but if I go combat stance, I think if you, hit, if you hit 5, that's supposed to be a weapon. But for whatever reason, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't ever do it for me. I don't know. I, I don't find this to be... Am I... He just kind of looks at it. I don't know. Just it's, it's, just, it. it's just like an object of interest. Well, anyway, I just put this down. I'm... My... I gotta get out of combat mode I'll never get in here. Anyway, this guy is... Um, he's probably... He's taunting me right now. Dude, you gotta move away from the force field so I can come in and see you. There you go. Okay. Now... Uh,
1: uh, uh. <laughs> he doesn't care about your shared plight. He just wants
0: yeah you would think that we would talk and i tried i tried to talk it out with him we could talk about maybe we could get out here together we could reminisce about that time that someone used yeah. their woodworking equipment on us but instead he immediately gets violent and then the camera changes and you're facing the wrong direction you have to slowly rotate <laughs> very slowly oh he's kind of
1: wrecking me um so oh, in the face in the face yeah um, so, i mean the the the, the this control scheme is known as tank controls, and it's just not good. But it's going to come up again.
0: It's going to come up again really, really up soon. Yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, I think I, I think I might have got him in the vitals on that one. So another interesting thing about this is because we have, because we don't have you know a health bar or anything on screen, the way that the the game sort of tells you that you're wounded is by.
1: Uh-uh
0: is by uh, having the character walk sort of with a limp. (laughs) So now that I've been sort of in combat here, Um, I'm walking with this enormous limp. Uh, But yeah, Alan pointed out that uh, I can bring up a menu here and I can... Was it Diagnostics or something? I can turn on my biological repair unit. There you go. And just heal right up. Um, And it's got that lovely sort of Star Trek font that we also saw in System Shock. But this game has nothing to do with that. But obviously is in dialogue with that game. Um, So uh, I'm not giving this one pick of the disc. Uh, I think it is an interesting sort of technical showpiece for this period. But... I, I wouldn't call playing it enjoyable uh in any way,
1: yeah, I think people agreed. I think it got kind of like three stars or something from next gen or something, yeah, I mean the engine is great, probably you yeah you know probably couldn't play it on your computer back then, but right, but yeah, yeah just uh, the control scheme just kind of okay. wrecks this one,
0: so speaking of games that the control scheme wrecks um. We have another one for you, which is very similar. It's a pretty I'm bad in. fail. If we CD into here, we can see the next game in our cavalcade of tank control demos for this month, and that is Alone in the Dark 3. Um, now, I love the original Alone in the Dark. I think it's a landmark title. It basically created the modern survival horror game as we know it today. Um, but the two games that follow it in the original series seem to have lost the spirit. And I think that they lost the spirit because they lost the entire development team right after the release of the first game because they had a disagreement with the CEO of, Info- of Infograms, uh, Bruno Bunell, um, who had a bit of an ego and didn't always like to share the spotlight. Uh, and we'll see... <laughs> In this intro, uh, his name featured prominently. He made sure to give himself, like, full credit uh, once the rest of the team had left. Um, But for those who don't know, uh, Alone in the Dark was a Lovecraftian horror title. um, And one of the first games to use um, polygonal, you know, graphics combined with uh, sort of pre-drawn backgrounds to, you know, create a, a suspenseful environment. And of course you're gonna see the exact same stuff in Resident Evil. In fact, it's kind of it's kind of frightening how much Resident Evil just photocopies right out of the Alone in the Dark series.
1: Yeah. Alone in the Dark and and uh, Bioforge were kind of inspirations for Biohazard or Resident Evil and They kept the uh, tank control just, you know, to make sure. Yeah, just for old time's sake, hey. Why not? It must be
0: part of the winning formula here, right? To have the tank (laughs) controls. Um, And it's not. But so the first game is this lovely Lovecraftian horror environment. And there's a lot of... This was before, like, Lovecraftian horror uh, was passé. You know, this is, like, millions of years before Bloodborne and things like that. Um, Lovecraftian horror in video games is quite new. Um, and so we're, we're into the into the menu screen now um, so it was it was an amazing thing and and what made it sort of the first game of a real survival horror game is that unlike most games where you're expected to defeat all of the enemies that you encounter that they're really they're what um, are called power fantasies and the digital antiquarian has a great article on alone in the dark it different it talks about how it differentiated itself from other games but um, whereas whereas most games in this genre were power fantasies where you're always just getting more and more powerful and you're expected to take out all of the enemies you didn't have the equipment that you needed to actually take on all of the enemies often your best bet in alone in the dark was simply to run um, which was different and new and something that Made it special. But this, Alone in the Dark 3, having lost the original development team to Delphine Software, um, this is what I like to call the uh, Back to the Future Part 3 of the Alone in the Dark trilogy, um, which is apt.
1: Which is apt because it's a Western, which makes sense for the people made Back to the Future, but I don't know, for French, I, was just, I don't know. It seems a little bit out of their wheelhouse. But we'll find out. Maybe it's going to be great, right? It could be great. Let's start a game. It could be great. Let's watch.
0: Yeah, so it takes place in the Wild Wild West. Um, A place called Slaughter Gulch, and our protagonist, Ed Carnby, the same one from the earlier games, uh, has to rescue someone named Emily, if I recall correctly.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this engine is, you know, just minorly updated from the original Alone in the Dark. So it's kind of 1992 graphics. But, yeah. you know, it was ahead of time for 1992, so it's okay. I mean, it could, Not really. it
0: could do things uh, on 286s that you didn't see before. I mean, this game uh-huh. had really low system requirements when it came out, and that's one of the reasons why it was so astonishing. Um, because... It wasn't thought that you could do any sort of three D graphics on uh, the you know mainstream PCs of that time. Yeah. Uh,
1: right,
0: and so as you can let's... see, uh, there's someone behind me. Um,
1: yeah. Cowboy zombies. Cowboy zombies.
0: Yeah, I don't really know. It's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a better description for the uh, enemies you encounter in this game than cowboy zombies, but here they are. This guy. Um. Helpfully welcomes you to his uh, community, um, and it looks like the game ends right here, and <laughs> and I would I would be fine with that being the ending, um, given how painful it is to play through the rest of it. But yeah. uh, as it turns out, um, that is not a fatal injury.
1: <laughs> no, being blown up. Well, okay, I,
0: cool. I, I'm just going to show like one more minute of how painful yeah. it is. run. Uh, Start running to, to play this. Yeah. So double tapping uh, brings up the run, and sometimes there we go. Uh, except we have to load in order to go into the uh, saloon here. As I told Alan before, people in this game walk in a way that only people in French video games walk which is as though they have some, some very rigid uh, apparatus inserted into their rectum. Um, and you see this in games like other Delphine software games, like Another World and so on and so forth. And you can't just pick stuff up. No, no, no. You have to search for it. And, of course, most of the time when you see something right on the table, right in front of the character, but then you tell the character to search, the character can never find it.
1: Yeah, I oh. think this demo's buggy. I'm pretty sure it'll show up on a later PC gamer. And, and we'll demo be guess. like,
0: "Yeah, we kind of redid all that." Yeah,
1: you couldn't pick up anything. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> We're sorry about that. You <laughs> have to be. The thing is, you have to be like on the right screen. Just because you can see it doesn't mean you're in the right place. Like right here, I, see. I can see this. Right. Get that maraca. That Come maraca out. is right there. So I'm gonna go into the menu and I'm gonna search for, it and I'm sure it will be found. Right. And no. Uh, it, no, it can't be found. But I, I had you know like I had it's... better luck over in this other corner. Anyway, as you can see the presentation is very much like a Resident Evil game. You have these dramatic fixed camera angles with polygonal graphics and when monsters and things start to show up then it becomes even more like it. But I, I cannot I cannot bear
1: <laughs> to play this anymore. Yeah, I think we should put you out of here.
0: We should just Great. get out of here, put everyone out of their misery yeah. and move on to another Lovely game.
1: Now it's going oh, to play this whole... got to watch the unnecessary animation. Unnecessary
0: animation. They're just showing off here that they could do... Look at Look that. that. We can
1: texture map a
0: cube. We're in motion... This is
1: sell a game when people are quitting the demo. <laughs> right. You know? I
0: know. Well, and I love that they decided, you know, we should probably give them the setup and all the context for this <laughs> right after they've tried playing through it and quit in frustration. Now would be the perfect time. Um, My one of those available... That's right. Everybody call that number right now. See what happens. <laughs> call them. Okay. All right. So we're going to do one more stinker before we move on to something that I might like actually enjoy. Uh, and that one is going to be uh, our old friend Thunderscape.
1: Thunderdome. Oh, Thunderscape.
0: <sighs> yes. We will say Sunday,
1: Sunday, Sunday,
0: and Saturday. At the Thunderdome, it's SSI's latest role-playing game.
1: Uh, I don't even remember. It's like CD Thunder. CD Thunder. See, I think shorter file names are cooler.
0: Oh, but then how many... Look at all
1: these bat files. I'm going to go for Run. That one sounds
0: good. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Now, this game, this demo is early. Obviously, someone was like, hey, Chuck... Uh, What's on the build machine today? It's like, oh, I I have this binary. We haven't tested it, though, and I I don't think anyone should use this. I'm like, oh, okay. Send it to PC Gamer. They're going to press it into 100,000 (laughs) disks. So this is another lovely game um, from SSI. SSI, of course, the fabled creators of the Gold Box series of advanced Dungeons & Dragons computer role-playing games from the early DOS era. But since the early DOS era, sales of those games have sort of declined, and SSI really hasn't kept pace with the rest of the industry when it comes to technology. Obviously, Ultimate Underworld has come out. We've seen a fully realized, fully three-dimensional role-playing environment, and it's time for SSI to make their own statement. Now, the owners of Dungeons & Dragons, TSR, have become impatient with SSI and have failed to renew their license for AD&D, forcing SSI to come up with an original IP, and they come up with this Thunderscape. Uh, and it it's a combination of sort of high fantasy and steampunk, which is less generic, I think, than what they were doing sort of at the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons license. Um, but let's see how fully realized it is, and whether or not um, they created something which is, is high-spec enough to capture yeah. the jaded eye of your average May 1995
1: gamer. Yeah, Let's get into it, because there's a lot of clicking. There you is a lot of clicking. Yeah, can of I get
0: clicking. out of this? Uh, <sighs> can I get out of this cutscene? I thought my computer had frozen when I first played this, because the cutscene is it has motion up to a point, and then it just stops. It just stops on this frame, and then the narrator keeps on going in this overdramatic voice for, like, two minutes.
1: With a flash of lightning, the Age of Thunder is born. (laughs) With it, a whole new game world from SSI. Did you do the voiceover for this game? (laughs) I can't. SSI... SSI's all-new world of Aiden is a big, brawny, boisterous realm. (laughs) Big, brawny, boisterous realm? The big, brawny, man's realm. technology and powerful sorcery. Aiden is a huge world of unbridled imagination and limitless possibilities.
0: Oh, so it's sort of like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory?
1: That's what happens to your party, to get thinned out. And you'll
0: it's so see... It's, it's a world of pure imagination. Thunderscape. <laughs> your escape from reality. We used It'd to be have the Dungeons & Dragons license, like but we lost it because our sales were declining for a decade.
1: <laughs> oh, Thunderscape, we're back. All right. Taking the glass elevator now. All right, the taking d- the
0: glass elevator to Thunderjaw. Now I'm not going to repeat what I did last time, where I attempted to use the mouse controls because that was bad. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna. Oh my God! See, I was looking around. Did you see these guys? Did you see a beast head and smoke demon anywhere?
1: I saw nothing, but
0: I honest, didn't see anything. But now that we
1: attack, at least you have a party with free. You said that the demo is a bit different than the retail release, right?
0: Um, so the demo, I think you begin in the same area that you do in the retail release. I don't know if they actually got all the lore elements and things into it. Uh, I've had so many problems with everything in the game demo that I can't really comment on what is going on back there. There's a lot of action. It's like, oh, I'm going to attack you. Oh, I forgot my keys. I'll be right back. No, uh-huh. oh, no, no, I'm going to attack you. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I forgot my wallet. Um, so... The first thing to note about this game is, look when you click on uh, the the action menu here. Look at how many different attacks you have. You have normal attack, you have a berserk attack, you have this one, this poking through the heart thing, is called a vitals attack. But
1: um, uh, when so, this one not berserk? Uh,
0: when you okay. normal or vital. I, what is this parry? This is I, cudgel. I know. What is all hit somebody with your shield? This is kicking them in the ghoulies. Um, and this is, this is just, um, I disapprove, dislike. Um, this is dislike. If you don't like this anime, you can click on this and it'll be downvoted. It
1: hurts their ego. Uh,
0: yeah. It hurts their search ranking if you do that. Um, yeah, that, so it seems like, wow, there's an awful lot of depth here. And look in the magic menu, the, the menus are all very easy to use. Um, the only problem is that all of these, are pointless if the enemies are not themselves like complex and intricate and interesting enough for you to need to have a complicated battle system to, to fight them with. What I discovered is that basically all your different attacks have just have different chances of, of hitting. And so, you, if you can do a normal attack, you have a good chance of doing sort of moderate damage. If you do a vitals mm-hmm. attack, you have a small chance of doing high damage but it all comes out in the wash. It doesn't matter really what you click. And I've also never had Magic Connect on any enemy ever in this demo, which I imagine is a bug.
1: Um, so basically it's like a, it's a thriller music video that you just keep on pressing attack, the standard attack.
0: Yeah, so what happens after, yeah. after your Magic Missile misses for the 10,000th straight time, then you start to say, Why am I even going through this menu? So you just really rapidly click on this, and then I'll be doing better than I was before, and I don't and have to think about it. Um, so, contemporary reviews, namely Scorpia's review and Computer Gaming World, said that the game shows sort of promise early on. The tech is good, the graphics are interesting, the, the intro area kind of has a lot of little hidden nooks and crannies and, and lore elements to discover. But then as you proceed through the game, it doesn't introduce new enemies. Those lore elements start to, you know, fall to the wayside, and then you're just left with this monotonous combat with all these options that don't really have any effect. I mean, it would be great if, you know, you had to cast this spell in order for the enemy's vitals to be like uncovered and then you could use the vitals attack. And they just didn't do that. <laughs> so it's just this kind of sad mind. you know
1: it's it's a, it's a grind That's... it's a it's a grind a... um and it's it's too bad I mean they
0: they developed this whole like backstory and this new world this whole it's this beautiful new IP and they actually eventually brought this to tabletop and stuff like that the world of ADOM um but the the game the thing that was supposed to sort of save SSI uh didn't <laughs> um, which is which is unfortunate, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, take that smoke demon. I mean, is he made of smoke? He has a skeleton that's made out of smoke, or is he just smoke-colored? Or maybe he was smoked, like he's a smoked demon. Is it? There's just some things. You know, I mean, some of the like just straight up steampunk elements are fun. You know, oh, it's the steam golem. Not regular Gollum. Um. Do you have any other thoughts on this before I, before I import?
1: I mean, I can walk around uh, a little bit more. Still probably the best game on this disc. Oh man. my god.
0: This is your pick of the disc so far? <laughs> I mean, it looks, I mean, as Scorpio like said, it, it gets off thing. to a good start, right? It looks like things are going to be great. We have this nice 3D engine. Look. Steam, steel Steam Golem. Steam Golem's back.
1: I like how you just can add steam to anything. Yeah, exactly. That
0: was like, this mm. is how we'll make this a steampunk game.
1: We'll add the word steam to normal enemy names. You to kind of flash them. I guess the magic missiles are not working out for you.
0: None of these things do anything. I mean, I can, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much it costs. Zero. Critically hit for 15. Flash. Did that do anything? I mean, the effects are lovely. Um, but there's there's little else little else to say I mean this demo was too early honestly and like the mouse the mouse support is broken if you try to navigate using the mouse which uses a system similar to uh, Ultima Underworld where you have to click and then if you go in different corners it either turns or moves forward and it's as nauseating here as it was in Ultima Underworld but Ultima Underworld is a much much better game a really much more fully realized game uh, than this dungeon crawler is but yeah I it, it it looks great when you're playing it people will come over your shoulder and be like what's that? I never played that before well of course you haven't because Thunderscape was not a commercial success but um, anyway you can check it out uh, I had a lot of problems running this on real hardware uh, because it well, is clearly it was like
1: a Development build that's yeah. just kind thrown on a disk. Yeah. Whatever.
0: It had some very particular notions about how your uh, your XMS should be configured, but um, <laughs> you can find a patch for this online that makes life better. But anyway, the right, game that just I'm.
1: Let's get to the dessert. Can we just get to the dessert?
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's get to the dessert. Bro. It's the main course. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Um, you're going to enjoy this much more than you should go on, have fun
0: I'm trying to, I
1: just I don't know how to get out oh there we go oh, slowly fades out
0: it slowly, very slowly and dramatically fades out it's coming soon from SSI Uh, make sure to call whatever phone number they have for it there and find out who lives there now (laughs) Uh, oh so. This is probably the last game we're gonna talk about on this disc, which is a shame, because this disc also includes the Apogee shareware classic, Raptor Call of the Shadows. But I think probably everyone's already seen and played that game. I mean, it it it's a vertical s- shooter for the PC. It's a lot like Brighton. playing control schemes. Here we have a game which jairs to be stupid, uh, and it's another classic from our friends at American Laser Games. Purveyors of many horrible racist stereotype uh, sort of laser disc light gun games from the nineties. We've well, we,
1: we previously called them the uh, the white privilege simulators for PC. Oh, yes, and why? Uh, <laughs> or there's no? No doubt. This so
0: is so well, okay, but the last one uh, was uh, was called what well, was called crime Crime Wars Two Drug drug wars drug wars crime something crime patrol 2 drug wars i think was the full title i think we called it a um it's a prejudice-based shooter where depending on who comes depending on the, the ethnic sort of background of the person who comes on screen you either shoot them or don't shoot them and that's how you play the game and so uh for this month they've provided us with yet another classic um the last bounty hunter i don't know what happened to all the other bounty hunters or this is some sort of a, this is yet another sort of cultural appropriation thing, like uh, like Tom Cruise is the Last Samurai. Um, you you be
1: the judge. Um,
0: well,
1: let's see the story. Let's give it. A
0: shot. Yeah. So um, this is some sort of. I think she's supposed to be some sort of madam uh, who's sort of introducing you to the, the plot of the game. But she looks a lot like Jennifer Connolly and Beetlejuice for some reason. Like, they went, they were aiming for Wild West, but they went way over into Hot Topic. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, you can see, yeah, it's giving you a good. Now, because this is an American Laser Games game, you can shoot right now. Their shooting is allowed, it does nothing, but it, it does expend all of your uh, ammo.
1: Oh, yeah, huh? Well, uh, I can.
0: <laughs> right, which is great. Um, The UI here is just completely, completely broken. Um, So in order to begin the game, you have to go down to the corner and click, because that's obvious. Um, (laughs) See, you can learn a thing or two about UI, SSI. Um, And we're going to start this game. Now, if if you have a stopwatch or wristwatch, I'd like you to count the number of seconds that transpire between when I click this new game button and when I get shot in the face, because it's not going to be many.
1: Good thing is you yeah. never die permanently.
0: And this guy comes and then boom. And that's Ow. and that's game. It's one shot kills. So this is another game where you have to memorize absolutely everything. Because you don't have any time to react. You have to already be set up for it. And I just I don't understand why everyone in this game is in such a rush. Like the this guy who says, Handsome Harry, uh he used to be my attorney. You can trust him. Yeah. He, has to, he delivers his line in like half a millisecond because I don't know why. They they were running low on film or something. And they're like, listen, we got to do this all in one cut and we've got to do it real fast. So, Well,
1: keep in mind they have to put all this on a laser disc and there's like some branches, you know? I guess so. Maybe. But it you know? just
0: it feels horribly rushed. So I'm going right. to actually, I'm going to try.
1: I got him. They also didn't hire the, you know, they didn't hire I got, hire him. I got him. Morgan Freeman to act right. on it, so... So, so this guy
0: says, whoa, whoa, I'm great. I'm white. You shouldn't be shooting me. And then, boom, cane, cane gun, right? Cane
1: gun. Right? And, and then, then we we'll go back to stereotypes. Right. I like how they made sure that they the stereotypes got the maximum, you know, yeah. Air time. Right.
0: It, he does. You, you'll you see him all. I mean, every time you get shot, you die. And it restarts the whole thing. And he has some, you know, parting words for you. Uh, but it's... It also doesn't make any sense cuz sometimes so sometimes you have you know a taunting screen here with the grave digger and his assistant but sometimes it takes you back to the mayor so I don't know if you're always being fatally wounded or what like sometimes you die now we're back to this guy right so either we're dead and he's talking to us or when we we sometimes are dead when we when show up with the grave digger See, this guy just tells you to try it again. Like, oh, you know, you, you got shot. You just go right back into it. The grave digger is sort of like, oh, you're dead now. But it makes no difference. Um, <laughs> do you think I can get Kane guy? I like... Here we go. So, okay. no. No. I was one pixel off. So tell us about the critical reception for this.
1: Entertainment Weekly reviewed this, we don't know... (laughs) Which is bizarre! Like,
0: really? Did they review video games? Did TV Guide say something about this? Did they... What did they conclude? I thought
1: these games were just for police training, you know, to make sure that (laughs) they had fully internalized all the biases they are supposed to have. Right. Uh, But yeah, they gave it a C- and pointed out the gravedigger ratio stereotype. Right. Um, and all the other reviewers, I don't know like why they were confused, but they said, "Oh, this is too similar to all the American Laser Games catalog, which it's kind of the point. It's exactly the same." So, do you have to wait until you? I'm know shooting he's a him threat? now. Ah, oh, come on.
0: I I shot him like ten times. No, I think maybe you can't until he draws. He's not technically a threat. I don't understand. I love the idea that like Entertainment Weekly or whatever is. Reviewing this game, being like, well, you'd be better off spending your time watching a new season of *Touched by an Angel* um, than uh, playing this. Anyway, uh, this is this is horrible. Uh, this is the farthest I've gotten. Okay, what's it? Do I blow up the TNT? Maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna wait. I'm waiting. <laughs> what? This is terrible. Ah. Uh, anyway, right. well, the thing about the last one, uh, *Drug Wars*. Was that it had, I mean, it had horrible ratio stereotypes, but Lopez is kind of funny. And Lopez's bodyguard is a dead ringer for Ben Kingsley for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but, it, but he is. Anyway, so if we had to pick a pick at the disc...
1: I mean, I'm still doing Thunderscape. You're still
0: doing Thunderscape? I, yeah. I would just do Raptor Call of the Shadows, honestly, because... It's at least a very playable game. <laughs> I mean, we could show we could show the ladies and gentlemen Raptor Call of Shadows. I don't even have it installed, I don't think, but all we do is just run
1: now right now can I run it? Right, run rap. Let's see. The height of gaming excitement. It's really building up expectations here.
0: Well, as I said, Raptor Call of the Shadows, which I think pretty much everyone played, uh, it was a very popular shareware game back in the 90s. Because there weren't that many good vertical shooters, like arcade vertical shooters, for the PC, uh, if you were into that sort of thing. And Raptor is one that has a little bit of depth. Smokey, nice Um So... You have a, a little shop here where you can go and you can trade your credits um, at Harold's Death Emporium in order to buy things that are useful to you uh, in order to tackle the different levels, uh, mm-hmm. which
1: is pretty Like cool. atomic weapons. <laughs> like, That's
0: good. Like things that are banned by the Geneva Convention and uh, stuff like that. Anyway, and then this is okay, the then. shareware, so we can't go into the exciting sounding tango sector. Um, which is full of Latin dance, but um, rather we can go into the Bravo sector, um, which is most, which is all that anyone ever saw because you, nobody ever bought the actual four version of this. Everyone just played
1: the shareware and it's fun. And what is, what is the point? You just want money or points or whatever? Well, you're trying to make
0: progress through these different sectors. And then when you inevitably die, you spend some money and you upgrade your weaponry. So most of these guys see. are not, they're not going to like drop, they're going to drop monies.
1: Um,
0: uh, see my that's dollar, weird. See the dollar dollar bill there? They'll drop money, usually, they'll drop energy, well, they might drop doesn't energy cells. Usually not in the air. Usually not, but this is a special case. The thing is, sometimes you don't want to take out the, some of these guys because the way that their fire pattern is, you got to right in front of them you're going to take too much. You can see on the right there, that's my health. It's rather low. Um, but this was a really fun arcade game that didn't have horribly high system requirements. Um, and, and so you,
1: this is your pick of the
0: disc. My pick of the disc is the most playable game on this disc, after Call of Shadows. You don't need to have a Pentium 120, you don't need to spend $4,000 on a Falcon Northwest system to play this game. Uh, it is imminently playable um, it has you, you are
1: a, such such a simple satisfying simple gameplay. Well, what do
0: you want to do you want to give, give Pick of the Disc to um, I'm
1: still Thunderscaping you're, right. you're not going to how about Bioforge they, they tried they really needed they just, lost, they just lost their contract you,
0: you know, oh, it, it's a dragons. pity you're giving them the Pick of the Disc out of pity it's a pity pick that doesn't make I, any sense I would give it to Bioforge for their technical ambition I mean that is a some pretty amazing work for 1995 on PC, you know. Mm. You don't know? We'll see. No, I don't
1: like having a separate combat mode where you have to memorize 18 keys to fight. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't approve that. Well,
0: it's too bad. Ooh. Don't worry, he's fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> Just taking a nap. After a long day at work. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you want to give it to uh, Thunderscape, pick up the disc. I am really looking forward to seeing what happens in June, because there are some really, you know, important releases coming out later here in in 95, and I'm wondering what's going to show up. Um, So... If you have enjoyed the podcast and you're listening to the podcast version of this, please come check us out by searching for Smug and Play on YouTube. Uh, If you would like to read some in-depth articles behind the scenes on mid-90s gaming, you can check out our website, smugandplay.com. And if you would like to interact with us on social media, we are posting as at Smug and Play on both uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Alan, do you have any information... That would be useful to the ladies and gentlemen who have watched the show.
1: Information. (laughs) I mean, we want all the hateful YouTube comments that you can bring. Yes. uh, Bring it on.
0: Yes, force us to shut down the comments. That would be great. Uh, Anything else?
1: Okay.
0: No. We will see you next month on Smug and Play, then.